Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. Is that your new thing? Hello, everybody. No, it's just kind of funny. It's, we did it on the one we released See, today. I feel like you should, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. You put your cardigan on. Wow. Put your Take your shoes off. Put your indoor shoes on. Yeah. Would you be mine? You're just talking nonsense now. Would you be mine? All right. <laughs> today, on today's episode, we discuss self-belief, action, and self-doubt. We talk about how we create them, how we deal with them, how we develop from them, I guess. You guess? Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> That's it? You don't have anything else to add, Ben? No, you just basically said everything. <laughs> you always have something to say. Um, go get him, tiger. Wow. Alright, well, here we go. Episode on self-belief. Boom. down so you put like 0.05 when you when you bought it i bought it at 0.028 or something so <laughs> less than three cents <laughs> so you're like oh happy day happy day happy. <laughs> well, how much did money. you put in 200 dollars. so what's it 10 grand or something now yeah give or take yeah <laughs> 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 i'd be be selling if i was <laughs> no i'm i'm going going to the moon to the moon I love this away. stuff. Like people are like to the moon. It's like no actual justification behind it. No, there's. But none. if enough people say to the moon, maybe it'll go to the moon. So I took some off. You ever heard of a so pump and dump? Point, <laughs> I'm I'm playing with the house money, and if it gets higher again, maybe I'll sell. But yeah, I won't. I won't say. I'll, we'll just say I have a client who has been playing in crypto and put yeah. a significant sum of money into it a year and a half ago. Doge into a lot of them. Okay. Because Ethereum and Bitcoin are actually getting back close to their highs. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's got a lot of the random ones too. Okay. And so he he's up. <laughs> he just he just made this clear to me. He, I I didn't know he was doing this. And he's like, so I I got to tell you something. And I'm like, oh crap! Like, what did you do? He's like, I bought all these cryptos a year and a half ago. <laughs> he's made like <laughs> a lot of money. We'll just yeah. say. Like Has he sold? Is he taken it off the table? No. Nope. So he's not made a friggin' dime yet because it it's all, all on paper tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's all on paper. That's what I told him too. I was like, "Hey, you're you're speculating, you're gambling. It's not. This is not investing. This is speculating. Difference." So we've been recording. I'm guessing we have to take that out for compliance. You didn't name him or anything like no, that. I didn't name him. And I didn't give him investment advice, so it's probably okay. All right, we'll leave it in there. That's how the podcast is going to start. You and I talking about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. People like that stuff, I guess. Just for the compliance people, <laughs> for Ben's sake, uh, this does not constitute uh, financial advice in any way, shape, or form, and do not do what I tell you to do. Um, <laughs> do not do what Stephen tells you to do. That's when it comes advice. When it comes to investing advice. Yeah, that's good advice. Not because I'm not good you at it. You can sit down with me one-on-one. I'll tell you what to do. Yeah. But i got to know your story first. That's a nice Porsche. Ooh, that is a nice Porsche. Looks like a black 911. Uh, maybe a Carrera S. I can't tell. Need to see the oh, back They're all the 911s. They yeah. just took that and threw different numbers on them, but it kept like the same body style. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. He's turning this way. We'll see what he is here in a minute. I think it's a yellow Z3, actually. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> a yellow Z3. Sexy. Look at that. That's a Carrera S. So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about... Oh, hold on. Oh, go on. My name is Ben Kloons, and... I can't even remember what I normally say. Hi, welcome to Ordinary Sister. Oh my God, this is. Hi, welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. My name is Ben Clune, and this is my Scottish friend Stephen Brown. That was painful. Yeah. <laughs> and we are still friends, despite the podcast that went live today, where we argued. Yeah, Stephen's just a, just a, a dick. <laughs> I had people actually agree with me. I know they're dicks too. Okay. Um, we do want to hear feedback on that, by the way. That discussion we had about the sex trophies. Um, <laughs> I know Ben hates when I call his children I sex believe, trophies. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I want to know what people's comments were to that. That's, did anybody Everybody to that it? I've mentioned it to or everybody that's listened and given me feedback so far think that's what they're going to call their children from now on. They think it's hilarious. <laughs> sex trophies. Number one, <laughs> sex trophy number one, sex trophy number two, um, mistake trophy. <laughs> <laughs> mistake. Oh. Anyway, so this is a bad story. 
Go for it. When we were down in Palm Springs, when we went to that barbecue, Travis Pop and I. With all the gay men? Yeah, with all the gay men. And so there was this uh, mom and dad were there with their daughter. Like the daughter was down to visit. And like it was Travis, this daughter, and I that are like the youngest people at this barbecue, right? Because they're all, I mean, Vern's the next youngest at probably 56 years old. So the dad's sitting there drinking the mom's sitting next to him he's talking with his buddies and everybody around the table he's like yeah points at his daughter she was supposed to be a blow job and then <laughs> <laughs> i was just dying laughing i was like oh my gosh is that her nickname now <laughs> it's like that that went sideways what is her name i can't even remember to be honest like her, her initials aren't bj are they no i don't think so <laughs> like that would have been funny Brittany jean or something like that <laughs> Brittany uh, jean i can't remember Bella her, jean yeah i can't remember what her name was actually to be honest Ooh. wow that's loud wow what is that what was that was that a motorcycle i hate motorcycles okay so today what's our topic we're talking about self-belief and we're going to talk about a few things associated with self-belief Self-belief and a few things associated with self-belief. What is self-belief? Funny you say that. I've said that um, (laughs) the first note I have actually (laughs) is self-belief is distinctively different from cockiness or arrogance. And I think often the differentiation is not made by people between self-belief and arrogance. And I'm curious what you think self-belief is defined as. Well, I think self-belief is just the ability to do something. Like if you believe you can or can't do it. Obviously, that's literally yeah. the title says that. Don't you think there's more to it than that? No. I mean, at the end of the day, like self-belief is just, do you believe that you can or cannot do that task or action at hand? I think th- I think there's more to it than that because often people have shown that they can do something and they still doubt themselves. So I would point that, to that. That doesn't mean. I mean, that would still. That's just a lack of self-belief. That doesn't mean that you're able or unable to do the action at hand. Yeah. So I think it goes beyond just actions. I think more than anything, it's an overall mindset. Um, and people that don't have a lot of self-belief are people that have debilitating. Um, Here, this would be. Sorry to interrupt. But I was say this would be an interesting difference. I think is self-belief psychological. The action is actually physical, right? Like. The, the self-doubt or the self-belief is a psychological thing. has nothing to really do with your ability to do it or not do it. Yeah. You know, it's like you could have self-belief that, hey, I'm going to be number one, like, runner in the world. It's like, but you don't have the actual abilities to go along with it. Like, I could 100% believe it and be a sociopath mm-hmm. and believe that I've got that ability, but I don't. So I have a theory, and that's all it is. I haven't done any research and I have no empirical data to back up my theory but I'd be curious what you and the people listening think Um, so self-belief is very natural to some Mm -hmm. and it's alien to others right Mm -hmm. and we all know those people the people that you know they're scared of their own shadow Mm -hmm. for want of a better descriptor Uh, never taking any chances never stepped outside of their comfort zone figuratively and metaphorically more so than physically oh i'm gonna cross this road or whatever it is um but i have a theory that high self-belief individuals tend to have more adversity as and in growing up and the the their formative years so i feel like more adversity and um the higher degree of adversity makes you more capable to believe in yourself and push through and step outside your comfort zone versus uh, people that have always had a safety blanket, never really been tested, um, for want of a better term, have been shielded from from Hmm. adversity. And I'd be curious to see if there is a correlation. Like I said, it's just something that I thought of. Um, But in my experience... I think think you're right, Uh, like 50% right on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I think... It, that yes, if you overcome adversity, I think overcoming being the biggest part, not necessarily faced adversity, but if you've overcome adversity and you've actually won, then, because that was one of the things I was thinking, is like to, to have a self-belief, a strong self-belief, I think you at some point need to know what it's like to win, right? And so what you're describing is that, like people have overcome adversity, they've overcome challenges and they've won, right? And lost. 
and lost because you, you I mean you can't win everyone without losing I mean mm-hmm. how do you know if you've won <laughs> if you always lose, if you've never won I mean if you're always winning it's not really winning if you don't know what it's like to lose yeah so uh, I think you're right but I also think that people who have never had to deal with adversity in, like in a meaningful way might just believe that they're super strong and like you yeah know, I mean I could see that going both ways and you know there's the old saying that pride comes before a fall right and I would say that the people that have never truly experienced adversity and have that prideful, almost prideful um, arrogance as opposed to self-belief mm-hmm. often have that fall eventually and either rebuild themselves or it just ends them. So I don't know that... Or they just don't achieve a whole lot. They just find I, them. I genuinely rat. don't believe without grit, without having been through some kind of adversity or you know, being exposed to failure in some way that you can truly believe in yourself and truly thrive in a in a, in a self-belief realm i guess is what i'm looking yeah, at unless you're a sociopath yeah yeah <laughs> and then i actually think and this is curious because we talked about this a few weeks ago and i can't remember what it was in relation to but you know i talked about the the quote the hard times make soft men soft men make hard times hard times make uh, hard men, hard men make good times and it's like that cyclical yeah. thing and I think this kind of plays into that that I would be very scared as a parent, and you are a parent right now, that your kids are going to be exposed to other kids that haven't had any adversity, that haven't soft. even been told yeah, off like that you said it was soft yeah. you know, I've seen you guys discipline your kids and by no means is it is it harsher abusive or anything like that but your kids know when they've done something wrong they're going to hear about it right Mm -hmm. and you've experienced i've experienced everybody listening has experienced the kids that they do things wrong and parents make excuses for them and protect them and shelter them and it sounds really kind of uh like a really simple thing like oh that, that that's not going to make them into soft people and i'm like no it really is because i think back to to my childhood and yeah the things I remember are great teachers, great people that were around me, and the times I got my ass whipped. Mm, the real times. And every time yeah. I freaking deserved it. <laughs> so I, I do think that this generation coming up, that's I, do, I think it's multiple generations actually, you know, from kids that are literally just born to 15-year-olds now, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna hit the real world and get a lot of wake up calls. Well, there's people that are closer to our age. Some of them, I'm like, oh man, you live in your own nice little bubble, and I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> pop. Yeah, because your bubble's about to pop. But yeah, well, well which is interesting, I guess, to the point of our topic, like that self belief. Like those guys have a self belief that stems from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like just that was one of my. And you kind of alluded to it earlier on, which I was going to say, like intrinsic versus extrinsic. Like we talk about that with regard to a motivation and different things. And self-belief, I think, ties into motivation to some degree. But like intrinsic self-belief, extrinsic self-belief. Like, because I'll, I'll say, like, I always believed that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And to some degree, I still believe that. Right, and I think that's a, a motivating thing. But I don't have the energy to put in to want to do that enough. Like I know that it's like, no, if I wanted to, I probably couldn't become the best track runner in the world. But if I wanted to be the best in my class, then I could dedicate a lot of time, go on a really strong, balanced diet, and like really try hard and give it 110 percent, and probably get mm-hmm. up there. Right, if I just didn't stop. So some of people have that self belief. Some people can never do that, but. I don't have the motivation or the desire to want to do that. Yeah, and see... I have the belief that I could. <laughs> there you go. But I think this is... We, we've discussed this, and it was a long time ago, because I remember saying to you, I think it's absolute bullshit that parents tell their kids you can be anything you want to be. Because yeah. they never caveat it with exactly what you said. You can... Lit, I mean, I can't be president of the United States. Yeah. One yeah. born Yeah, here, you can't. Yeah. Right? could uh, get into politics and, and go fairly high and not be president? 100%. Yeah. 
I'd have to go back and scrub a lot of messages and a lot of shit. I think we talked about this. Like, <laughs> Hire a really good PR firm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've said stuff publicly. I've done stuff that... This podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's lots of shit I've said on this podcast that could be taken and used against me. Oh, so yeah. oh, it's probably yeah. never going to happen, nor would I want it to happen. But where I'm going with this is the, the caveat that parents need to add to this self-belief. Yeah, you can absolutely do anything you want if your work ethic is right and if you're willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do, right? <laughs> and they say that last part in the most positive way. Yeah. <laughs> willing to do things most people aren't yeah. doing. Yeah. You know, We're not talking like bodies in body bags type thing, kid, don't you? It's one of the reasons, and one of the things I wanted to talk about with self-belief is I've never seen a challenge that I don't want to take on, right? You you throw a challenge in front of me, I want to take it on. Some I pass on, though, just because I'm like, to your point, I don't have the energy, the time, or the inclination to spend time on that. Like the thought of running a marathon, completely asinine to me. So, so that's not a challenge that you want to take on then? No, but I'd love to do it. I just don't want to take oh, on yeah. the challenge oh, of preparing yeah. to do it. So totally, yeah, yeah. I, I get so what you're saying there. I believe I could get in marathon shape, complete totally. a marathon, complete yeah. multiple marathons. Totally. Zero interest in doing totally. it, right? Totally, get that. So where I'm going with this is the, the caveat that needs to be added is your work ethic has to match your dreams and your goals. Now, that is where action becomes so important in self-belief, right? Or your dreams and goals need to match your work ethic, whichever yeah. one you want to, <laughs> which one you want to output, which one's more important. Action develops belief because the more you do something, the more you believe you can mm -hmm. do it, right? Mm -hmm. So the first time you pick up a golf club, you think you can swing it and do what those guys on TV do. 250, 300 yards straight down the fairway. You hit it off the toe, it goes three and a half yards. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell happened there? And you realize there's more to this. So then you start listening to people. You start watching people. And it takes a long time to develop the action of truly being able to I think what's funny with that ball, example, right? you think about that, right, is you might come in with strong belief, and then all of a sudden your belief goes to zero. But And you got to build it up. Then you're like, okay, I believe I can do this. And my actions are going to match it. Now, whether you, if you play once a week, you're going to get a little bit better gradually. You play three times a week, you're going to get better three times faster. Or that's essentially the concept, right? You want to be a pro, you better start when you're friggin' five years old, like Tiger Woods did. Yeah. And you better practice every day, have a golf club in your hand. Um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule. And yeah. there's some merit to that. There's also science behind it saying, yeah, there's, there's this, but... There's more. Everybody has different giftings and inputs, yeah. so that's. What people forget about the ten thousand hour rule is there's two pieces to it. So people think, oh, if I do anything for ten thousand hours, I can be great at it, and I believe I can do it, right? So then people do ten thousand hours of something, and it's like, okay, so you spent ten thousand hours doing that, but you didn't have the best instruction, you didn't have the best facilities, you didn't have the best. And one of the the case studies within the book that he talks about the ten thousand hours. It's called The Tipping Point, by the way. If you mm -hmm. haven't listened to it or read it, it's wonderful. Is Bill Gates. Bill Gates has never in his life developed anything brand new. Yeah, Microsoft wasn't his idea. He's patented a lot of shit that he didn't develop. And he had access to coding and computers for about five years of his life before anybody, including people his age. He was an early adopter and had 10,000 hours worth of coding before adults that were experts in it were even able to get access to those machines because of the proximity he was. Yeah, we've talked about this. He had the computer in his school on Mercer Island. or uh, yeah, It was Mercer something school like was that, or it was a friend. They got a or, grant. Yeah. It was in the school, mm -hmm. like one of two or something like that. But yeah, he had special access to something that most people didn't have access mm -hmm. to, and he had 10,000 extra hours ahead of everybody else. Yeah. So... Of course he was First mover advantage. Yeah, he was going to be an outlier. First mover so advantage. His self-belief came from uh, from that. He knew that he knew more than anybody else in this field. But When he had his time in. I want to come back to the action. I want you to talk mm -hmm. specifically about something that in your life, and I'll do the same, you had belief you could do, applied, focused attention and action to it, and eventually became proficient or even stellar at it. Well, I mean, you could just talk about in, in, any career. I mean, it, finance would be a pretty obvious one for me. 
It's like you get out of college, start at zero, build something, go. <laughs> no real training, get your securities licenses. That's about what your training is, at least. And then it's on the job training. You learn as you go. People trust in you, and you start to get more you know, belief in yourself and your abilities, and that continues to grow, and you learn more, and you start asking for referrals, right? But at first, I mean, I mean, you hear no more than you hear yes, uh, for sure, right? And so you get told no a lot, which to your point earlier about adversity is, I mean, my belief is strong now because I was told no a lot, but I know that if you go through enough no's, you get the yes. So, I mean, that's one example of it. But what I was going to say a lot of the time, and I wrote this down as one of my first items, was action overcomes doubt, right? So we talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, having doubt. If you have doubt, the best way to overcome doubt is to have action, right? And even if the action is failure, right, eventually something comes around. So I think it's that like that rule of cold calling. Not that I ever cold called, not that I believe it works right now, but the idea of numbers and it's all a numbers game, right? You make a hundred calls and on the hundredth call after you got 99 no's, you get a yes. And all of a sudden those 99 no's become worth it because you got the yes that you wanted, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like if you ask enough times, eventually someone tells you yes. And so that action of calling 100 times got you the yes to overcome the doubt, which got you the client, which got you the paycheck, which made you do the calling again. And to my earlier point of, I think you need the win sometimes to overcome it, uh, to, to get that self-worth or that self, mm-hmm. you know, get rid of the self-doubt and get a sense of self-worth and self-belief, as I guess we've titled it here, is uh, you just stop stop seeing failure too. Yeah. And I got to say, this is, if they didn't listen, the Tabitha Croc one that I did, uh, where we talked about failure. This we could probably do a whole podcast on, on this. On her podcast? On her podcast. Yeah. When I talked about like like re like rethinking the way you see failure and I was talking about that job interview question mm-hmm. on there where people are like, Hey, tell me about a time you failed. And in the past I used to struggle with trying to answer that question. And it and it and I knew it wasn't because that I hadn't failed. Like it's everybody has failed. Like pick, I mean, everybody fails at some point in some way, big or small. And I know that I failed, but I couldn't really think of a time, like truly, that I had like fallen flat on my face, failed, right? And I was thinking back as to like why that might be. Like how come I couldn't see a failure and point to it as something that I could use to answer that interview question, and. Uh, on the podcast, I was like, I think it's just because I've redefined what failure is, mm-hmm. right? And so to this point, it's like if you can redefine doubt and failure and, and overcome that through action, then then failure is nothing that is, is going to be or not as draining as it is in the past, right, where it makes you want to give up. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 this is just the stepping stone or, or this is just, you know, the additional brick that I'm putting down to build my house. I've never been asked that question in an interview. Yeah, I know, but I've been it, asked it's a about common one. Adversity and overcoming adversity and such. But I feel like if I was asked that question, uh, my honest answer would be: Look, failure isn't a, a major event to me. Similar to you, yeah. it's not something that sticks in my mind because yeah. I do it every day, all day. I fail here and I fail there, and the idea is that I repeatedly fail, but I fail forward and learn from it. I mean, yeah, I've fallen I, short of my goals. Yeah. I've fallen, yeah. I feel like if I said that in an interview, people are going to go, no, we want one instance. And I'd be like, I can't, literally cannot pinpoint, like, I failed at this, failed at that. Like, this morning, I tried to lift 105 pounds each arm on bench press with dumbbells. And I got three, I was going for five and couldn't get to five. But technically, that's failure. But I also know but you got three. that I can do three. And yeah. I couldn't do three, <laughs> yeah. three months ago. Isn't that funny, though? Like, when you think about that <laughs> question, I know it's like a common interview question. Yeah. But it's like, name failure. Like, okay, uh, all things that seem very meaningless to me. Yeah. Like, I fell short of my goals one year. And I brought in five million versus six. I still brought in 90% of goal or 80% of goal. It's like, you still did really well compared I've to So it's not like it, it's actually a failure. Since we're talking about self-belief, I actually believe if I get an interview, I'm getting the job. I've done it twice in the last year with two opportunities. Um, My boss has been joking with me about it. One time in my entire life, I had a job interview and didn't get the job. And I had a conversation with a person. It was a a school coaching job. And the AD called me and said, I want to hire you. I'd love to hire you, but the union would kill me (laughs) because this guy's a teacher. 
so we're going to hire him. And the conversation after that went like this. Did you know he was going to interview before I interviewed? Yes. You just wasted two hours of my time and I showed up and presented to you and you, your, your staff and I really don't appreciate my time being wasted like that. So I won't... And she was encouraging me to put my name in the next time it became available because she didn't think this guy was going to... And I said, I will not work for someone who doesn't have the courage of their convictions. If you want to hire me, hire me. If not, thanks, but no thanks. And I hung up. <laughs> so did you call him for a, a recommendation later? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, that's, that's yeah, horseshit, that's, right? That's well, it's horseshit. like we talk about that sometimes with 401ks, right, where people are just checking the box. Like, hey, we're going to go put this plan out for uh, RFP, for request for a proposal, right? And they want you to come in and do your dog and pony show, evaluate their fund lineup, Tell them how their fees are. Give them a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you, they're not going to have any type of action. They're not looking for an actual change no. unless you point out something that's glaringly like, oh, your guy has double charging you and he has you in funds that are also paying him type thing, right? Yeah. When in, when in reality, most people are not terrible like that. So it's like you know that they're not looking for a new relationship. They're just looking to check the boxes and waste five hours of your life. So here's another self-belief story similar to what you're talking about. I drove to Coeur d'Alene today. My time was wasted. Right, right. Um, I drove out, had a meeting with one of my uh, one of my direct reports. They set the meeting up. They're still fairly new, so I go on all their meetings with them and sort of show them, hey, just I'll run it. You learn from it. If you have anything to add, by all means, jump in, especially if you've got some industry experience. Um, and this guy, essentially, all he wanted was a, was a price. But he hadn't given me information, all the information that I needed to give him a price. And I basically thanked him for his time and said, look, when you're ready to have an actual conversation where I have the data I need to give you a price, let us know. And we walked out and I could tell that the rep was pretty disappointed. And I said, look, I want you to have the confidence that you're going to hear back from him because no one else is going to be that honest with him. Some people will walk in there, and we, I made sure we caveated it with, if anybody gives you a price with the data you've given me, they're either liars or they're really speculative yeah. at best. So we were out of there an hour. I was already back in Spokane, and he called me, and he said, hey, he just reached out. He sent over the data that you needed and said that he would like us to Reschedule talk price. And now, and I said, no, we're going to talk entire holistic approach here we want to know what you're doing why you're doing it how you're doing it not just give me a price and see if you're better than the next guy yeah so i said we we earned respect by believing in ourselves and knowing that we're better than that and it's a great teaching moment or learning moment for him great teaching moment for me but it it comes from the belief in what we do the Mm self-belief that we do this differently from everybody if it's if it's to your point if it's an rfp you just want a price i'm not your guy totally and, and, and I think you learn that, right? I mean, that you, you start to know, like, hey, if they're just looking for price, if they're price shopping, people come and they ask us, like, what's your fee? Like, what do you guys charge? You know, and if that's all they're interested in, it's like, uh, no, thank you. Because you, you have no allegiance to me. You have an allegiance to your the fee that you're paying, which can you quantify the fee from an ROI standpoint? If all you're trying to do is just ballpark fees, it's like, hey, guess what? He might charge you half a point more or less or whatever, but does or doesn't do financial planning or does or doesn't do tax management or yeah. does or doesn't get you in touch with people you need to like. Go speak to Tony Robbins. <laughs> Sorry. Go speak to Tony <laughs> Robbins. He'll get his little whomper sticks out and do your financial planning for you. Yeah. Less fees, but you're not getting the personalized approach that you need. You're not getting the advice that you need at the level you Tony's need getting paid. Yeah. Because he's, he's getting that volume pay, right? Um, I want to focus on the doubt piece, though. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask you this, just because I've literally written it down like this. Where does doubt come from? Where does self-doubt come from? And I've got some ideas, but I'd like to hear hmm. your input on this, and then I'll share my ideas on it. I mean, I don't know if I can point to what area that it comes from, because I think... I've got, I've got three written down. Because I would say... It comes from your insecurities, and your insecurities can come from a lot of places. Yep. So I've got self-talk, so insecurities, yeah. how you speak to yourself. Well, not not only that. I mean, you could not speak at all. It could be the way that other people 
mm-hmm. pick on your insecurities. I've got listening to others' opinions and limiting beliefs <laughs> or rackets. So, so you have insecurities being the umbrella. Yeah. But what's your third? Social media comparisons. Yeah, which is going to be same thing. Insecurities. Yeah. So, so insecurities, insecurities, insecurities. But it's, it's the insecurities that come from different places, different and avenues, manifest in different ways, yeah. right? So, but listen- also, I mean, I, I think to your point though your self-doubt like doubt could come from your own failures and how you would do see adversity and failure into our earlier conversation right i mean if you see failure as like the end then yeah i, I could see how you could have doubt if you failed and you're like oh my gosh it's over i can't do it i can't do it, and just yeah. go down that negative spiral then you know that's not a great situation so i have a five second rule in sport I get mad when I do things bad, whether it's swinging a golf club, shooting a basketball, kicking a soccer ball, whatever it is. In the moment, I will be ah, effing and blinding and mad at myself, right? After five seconds, I literally say this every time, on to the next. On to the next, right? And I actually try and teach kids when I'm coaching them that... There's two things you need to have every time you make a mistake. Zero conscience. (laughs) Zero conscience and a short memory. So you don't feel bad about it, and the second you don't feel bad about it, you forget about it. See, that's advice that I could take on the golf course as of last Friday when I screwed up the first nine holes and I was livid. (laughs) I've never been so close to walking off a golf course in my life. I had a great front nine on Thursday. I don't know if Pop told you. I was stroking the ball until my back gave out. Um... That sounds like an excuse. You're no, back in. I, went, I did the front nine and 42 and yeah. ended up shooting 97. <laughs> yeah. It was that bad. The bag nine, like, I couldn't follow through. Like You just start keeping Advil in your yeah. bag. No, there's more to it than that. So I've actually, I took some steps at the end of last week and feel better this week. So, but, um, yeah, so on that, the, uh, the self-talk, mm-hmm. how you're speaking to yourself, like, like I said, Nobody is perfect. I mean, if you make a mistake and you're not down on yourself a little bit, to your point earlier, you're probably a sociopath or you're never going to be good at anything. You're just doing it for fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And doing it for fun is okay, I guess. I don't understand that. If I'm doing something, I want to be at least above average. I don't need to be the number, number one, but I want to be pushing for that. I just need to be better than most. And then I'm a happy guy and I can continue climbing to try and be number one. Um, so self-talk is so important. The listening to others' opinions and the limit, their limiting beliefs is, is that whole thing like, don't let anybody on earth tell you what you can or cannot do. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it, you find say, a way you're, to do you're, it. You're, you're describing attitude, mm-hmm. essentially, right? And self-talk is, is attitude, positive or negative. People's beliefs and social media, your next mm-hmm. point that I just stole from you, can af- can affect your self-talk, I think is what it, it really stems down to when you're looking at it. It's like, how are these external forces going to impact the way that you see yourself and your belief in yourself? Is it positive or negative? And funny, one of the things I just wrote down here, actually, was um, basically ask your friends to help you overcome doubt because like there's times where i'm like man like and i'll go into jake's office or tim's office and i'll be talking about like i just don't feel like i am getting x whatever x is right and i'm like can you help me through this and they're like ben you're already doing it like you just did you know and they give me the answer and you're like yeah but i just don't feel like i'm doing it right they're like no you're doing it right and sometimes you just need people to reinforce uh the cycle, I guess, right? Because when you're in those first 99 calls to go back to my thing and you get 50 calls in and you've had 50 no's <laughs> and you're like, well, this is, this is not working. Like something is wrong. And so you do your 50 calls, you know, something is wrong. And you're like, Jake, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm not getting any calls. Tim, what's going on? I'm not getting any calls. Like, I know, Ben, I, I feel you, but it'll work. You're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing it. Right, and I think sometimes you just need somebody too. Like you need advocates in your corner. I guess that'd be an interesting podcast too. Advocates to help yeah. you come overcome some of the self doubt sometimes, or the not even the self doubt, but the doubt in the process. Mm-hmm. Right, like I have, I know that I have the ability to do whatever it is. I have the self belief, 
but I have the doubt that this process might work, right? And so sometimes you need someone to reinforce the belief in the process. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, your, your choice of word there is perfect, an advocate. So you don't want someone that says, oh, yeah, Ben's good. You want someone that violently advocates on your behalf, right? Not I mean, by violently, I don't mean... Yeah, vehemently. Vehemently, yeah, that's probably a better expression. But I want to come back to something you said, because I keep talking about action, right, and how action creates comfort, comfort creates... And it creates comfort being uncomfortable, constantly mm-hmm. doing things that make you better, make you grow, you know, taking chances. If you've never taken a chance, you're probably going to be soft-minded and, and not have self-belief. Um, or you're going to doubt yourself and second-guess yourself for so long that you miss out on opportunity. But I bet it's a it's a good percentage of people that you talk to year one and year two who said no, that you've been able to convert to clients in the last couple of years because you've taken action, you've kept doing it, you've gotten better, you know more, mm-hmm. you're experienced, right? Because experience can't be under undermined in any way no you know i don't want to work like i get three a week from northwestern mutual sorry for calling them out on (laughs) linkedin hey can we get together and talk i just passed my blah 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 no fuck off is what i want to say i'm usually a little more tactful than that i don't want no insurance policy yeah i'm not working with you and my money when you've been doing this for five minutes and you're half my age bugger off right but you are more mature you're in your 30s now you've demonstrated acumen in terms of your own wealth and so answer that question how many people said no year one year two that you've been able to convert to clients now i mean i've never never tracked it but i can tell you i've had people where the sales cycle is three plus years i mean i've had people that it's like you stay in them and uh it all comes down to right place right time i know a lot of people during march of last year 2020 <laughs> when the market was in the dumps oh shit and they, and they were like you know what i really appreciated about you guys is that you you showed up and you were consistent and you were communicative right it's like we, we continued to put out our our <laughs> our newsletters we continued to be there for people when they need when the when their other advisor might not have there's a lot of people that s- struggle with difficult conversations right when you're trying to explain why the market's off 33 percent the they don't want to talk well and you know what Sometimes it's okay to tell your clients, too. It's like, hey, I don't fully understand why it is. I mean, you look at every asset class is down. I can't tell you why every asset class is down right now other than we're in a global pandemic and this is something unlike we've ever seen and the market's trying to make sense of it. This does not mean that we have not experienced times like this in the past. And guess what? The market has always come back. If you allow yourself to be reactionary and you do a negative thing, i.e. sell in a down market, you're going to hate yourself come a year later. What's the most overused word for the last 18 months? Stocks are overvalued. <laughs> overvalued. Yeah. Unprecedented. Oh, unprecedented. What an absolute crock of shit. If <laughs> I hear that from the news or people want, oh, COVID is unprecedented. No, it's not. There's been fucking pandemics before. Oh, the stock market's unprecedented. No, it's not. It's been high in fucking bubbles have so existed before. I, I get what you're saying. There, there isn't too many times in, in history, though, that we've had... Stephen's biting his cord. It's a little weird. I'm not sure what he's doing over there. But there's never been really a time like this where we've had global, like, not a global pandemic that sh- shuts down. Like, you go home, stay home, we're shutting down the economy, right? I mean, that is a pretty... I'm not even sure, like, the Black Plague, they even no, shut I, down stuff. I'll, like I'll, I'll give you that, but the Spanish flu was worse than this. The, the plague was way worse than this, FYI. That's what I'm saying. I'm not even sure they closed down the towns. They tried. Um, yeah, but wh- there was, there's also been SARS. Here's what there's I think. SARS infections. Here's what I think Obama the difference is, though, right? And so here's what the difference is and what I think you're getting at is, and I, I've said this before to people, is the catalyst may be different this time. The catalyst is a global pandemic. Catalyst we've had multiple is social cl- media. We've we had that too. So we've had multiple different types of events in the past. The market has reacted very much the same mm-hmm. throughout all of those catalysts. It's the catalyst that is different. The catalyst is always going to be different. Yeah. The reaction of the markets very much the same. I'll say this: what we haven't had before, and what truly was unprecedented. I think it's not anymore, 
but the last three years or so, the uh, the polarity within politics, mm-hmm. the the voting completely yeah. down party lines, yeah, that's and that the social politi- media, the politicization of literally every issue. There's you don't hear very often anymore about bipartisan support for bills and 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 um, programs or or any kind of political. Hey, we're going to hold hands across the aisle here and work on this because it's the right thing. And I would even say the last time I truly remember this country being united, this is not a political statement, by the way, it's just my opinion, was right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I think that's the last time we were all like, okay, and I wasn't even here. Yeah. but You weren't here in that? When did you move here? 2003. No kidding. That nah, happened in 2001. That'd be an interesting perspective. What was it like when 9-11 happened and you living in another country? Exactly how it was here. Seriously, so you, everybody was sitting there watching the news. I was sitting in a college class at the time, and my girlfriend at the time texted me, and I had so that it happened September two thousand one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had been in the World Trade Center at the top on the observation deck in the January of two thousand one. I'd come here, I'd won. So when I was at college, I was multiple jobs, and my team had won a trip to New York, like a four day mm, trip cool. to New York, Christmas shopping. Um, always been a high performer, Benny Boo. Um, I don't know yeah. what happened. So then. me and what my happened? team had won that trip, and I went up, and and my girlfriend had texted me at the time, and she's like, uh, the World Trade Center was hit by an airplane. I was like, what? And then she texted me again and said, another one hit. So it was at 8 o'clock in the morning-ish, right? Here. So yeah. the time difference from New York yeah. to the UK is five hours. So literally, it was about lunchtime. 1 o'clock, maybe? Is that one? It Eight, was like 7.40 seven yeah, in the morning. Yeah. When it, yeah, it was about 1 p.m at lunchtime but I was in class and after that class I had to walk to the train station um, and this is going to show how old I am so 2001 newspapers hadn't died all the way yet the internet was still somewhat in its infancy um, there was morning edition and evening edition newspapers yeah. and the evening edition came out around lunchtime which sounds crazy for an evening newspaper yeah. but, um, so you would get the newspaper that came in the morning was basically published the night before well here's what happened in the middle of the night yeah and then the, the, the lunchtime one was... The, so walking to the... And the Evening Times was the Glasgow newspaper. And they had a picture of both of them with smoke bellowing out of it. And then I called my mum from the train. And her and my dad were watching it. I was going to my mum and dad's house. And they were watching it. And similar to what you just described, got home and literally watched the news for about eight hours. Mm-hmm. Watched them fall down. Watched... I mean just in shock well, so it's like everybody sits, sits up but it and is it's, it's interesting d- just to see a different country how mm-hmm. affected they are I don't think we realize as Americans too like how much our country affects the world well remember at that time Blair and Bush were in cahoots they were best friends I mean mm. they supported each other Tony to Iraq and all of that stuff so yeah George, George W. Bush and, and Tony Blair were so it affected us a lot because we knew anything that America did in the retaliation mm. due to NATO and everything else. <laughs> yeah. We were we were hand in hand. Like Toby Keith, man, he coming at you, he's gonna put a boot in your ass. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that there's that's that's an interesting conversation and not somewhere I thought we would well, talk about today. Does our podcast ever go anywhere that we thought it was gonna yeah. go? <laughs> but I tell you, um what that did for me from a from a mental standpoint was I, I th- I'm sure for you as well and people here was think oh shit the world's never going to be the same I mean within six months we were basically stripping off to get on an airplane right yeah that was <laughs> I well because I, I, yeah I remember one of my family members had to fly not too far after that and I can't remember why I think it was for work or something like that they had to fly a week or two later and uh just remember, like, oh, man, planes are shut down. Like, are we going to be able to get on a plane to go? Like, people aren't mm-hmm. flying anywhere. But it was – I was still – I was in middle school when that happened. So I'm not sure that I fully understood the depth of what had happened. I remember kids at school – I remember one girl in particular uh, at in middle school crying because her mom worked. Like, her mom was over there and worked for the World Trade Organization, mm-hmm. right? And so she was over at the World Trade Center and hadn't heard from her mom yet type thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, why would you send your kid to school for one? Or did she find out like how, like what happened? How did you get to school? How'd that happen? But the other thing I remember so 
so distinctively and one of the reasons that I haven't watched an NBA game for well over a year, more than that actually, um, is how sport unified everybody. And I've always been an American sports fan, mm-hmm. so football, mm-hmm. basketball, baseball, um, hockey's not a real sport, so we don't count that. <laughs> but Sorry, Pop. I remember, I, I'm not sorry, I do it to wind up Adrian, but he doesn't listen. Um, I remember how they cancelled sport for about a day, and then it was like, no, we have to do this, this is what people need, people need this release. And we're not there just now with sport. Sport has become so politicised and has become this polar, polarising thing mm-hmm. and it's I like mean, politics i've literally <laughs> lost interest in one of the things i love because i don't want to be preached to about what i need to believe or not believe yeah and and what i don't want my athletes to be social justice warriors michael jordan actually summed it up real well i don't know if you ever heard this he used to get a lot of shit for not supporting um democratic causes and his mum asked him one time and he he talks about this this is a great quote she asked him why he hadn't spoke out in support of something, and he goes, "Look, mom, um, I uh, I'm a basketball player and I sell shoes. Republicans buy shoes too. I'm happy to give you money. I'm just not going to publicly put a target on my back like that." I was like, "That I wish there was more people like that, unfortunately." Um, and having a platform, sometimes it's irresponsible. We saw that a few weeks ago with LeBron James, and mm-hmm. you know he had to retract stuff quickly. But again, we digress. I yeah. wanted to cover off on one more thing. Yeah, let's um, wrap it up with whatever that is. And it's a question. Oh, oh. and we've kind of answered it, but I'd like to do it succinctly. How do you develop belief? How do you develop self belief? Experience. Experience is one thing. Yeah, action. Right. Um, repetition and being uncomfortable right taking chances I think that's more important than any of them take chances well I think Um, it goes back to that win thing right like you take chances and you fail and eventually you win and you just learn that process fear does a lot of things right I mean fear I I think is like the enemy of self-belief you know fearful of failure fearful of getting made fun of fearful or whatever the heck it is that you're fearful of but if you can overcome the fear that seems to really be when you build a strong foundation of self-belief i one of the things that sticks out to me about this i moved to the u.s in 2003 for three months and i ended i'm 18 years this month that i've been here 18 years that's fucking crazy, right? That's almost half my life. I was quite. doing the math in my head, yeah. yeah. No, I'm 39, so not quite half my life yet, but we're getting there. Maybe another year or two, another two years, and I'll have been here half my life, basically. Um, well, no, three years, 21, yeah. So um, before I came, the amount of people like, oh, my God, how are you doing this? How can you do this? How can Such a huge step, right? I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. since I've done it every time I go home oh my god I wish I could do that and the response you can you yeah. absolutely can totally you're choosing not to mm-hmm. not saying that your inputs in life aren't dictating a little bit yeah but you made a choice to stay here do what you're doing and you can change it at any point so where I'm going with this is I've almost created and I'm going to post this on my Twitter later and then put it on my, my Instagram as well I made myself a little life quote as I was putting this together. And it's, I will invest and gamble on myself all the time. I do that because I'll always win. Even failure is essentially winning. Yeah, because I've good, learned something. Good way of thinking about it. Fail forward. As I say, it's not really failure if you have a, an experience that you can take away. Yeah. So the way I looked just, at it you was... You just bought knowledge. I was coming here for three months. I could have came here for three months and come home people ask me about being homesick I don't know that I've ever truly experienced being homesick I miss family and I miss friends Yeah. and I miss the interaction daily with them and sometimes I miss the food but I've never pined to be back in Scotland I've never um, 
felt a debilitating, oh my God, I need to go home, I need my family and friends around me. They've always been a phone call away. Obviously, technology's made that mm-hmm. much better in terms of FaceTime, video calls Skype and Because, again, I remember in 2003, I had to go to gas stations and buy calling cards. You would dial a 1-800 number, and it would be like, you've got 30 minutes to call the UK. It'd be like 10 bucks for 30 minutes calling the UK. Hmm. And then as cell phone technology's gotten better, Wi-Fi, all that stuff, you don't have to do that anymore. So, But, yeah, I think that's where i think you can build belief by investing and gambling on yourself the investment part is reading listening learning um being open-minded and the gamble part is hey if you get an opportunity and you're not sure you should take it take it and figure it out richard branson said something like that right Mm -hmm. yeah i think his quote is like if you get an opportunity and you're unsure how to do it take the opportunity and figure out how to do it essentially yeah. or surround that, yourself with people uh, yeah that wasn't that wasn't actually his words but it was we're paraphrasing like yeah paraphrasing somewhat yeah. cool well thank you guys for listening you were right this was an interesting conversation yeah I just saw this one on our list Stephen and I have a shared note and we go back and forth and I was like man this seems like a fun one today so your answer to this is either going to make my day or ruin my day oh, did I ever wake you up because a lot of times I'll go in there no. early in the morning and put stuff in there no. And then you get a notification when I update I it, I do. Right? But here's why you're never going to wake me up. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb at night. Love it. Me too. <laughs> so, no, you won't wake me up. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I mean, you, you, I don't get up late, but I don't I don't get up late at all. I, but I don't get up at 4.30. I'll get up at 5, 5.30 usually. I wake up at 4. I know, because you're messed up in the head. Do you know where it sucks? Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I'm still conditioned to do it. <laughs> I was going to say, the same when it says it sucks at 5 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. But it doesn't oh. suck during soccer season because those games start at 4 a.m. There you go. So Just it's get your so coffee bad. and watch your watch your game. Exactly. Yeah. You know you what sucks is when your kids wake you up at 4 a.m. And then you're up at 4 a.m. and you don't get to watch soccer or golf. You or always go get to, to watch soccer or golf. It's always on in the background. Not when your kid's <laughs> watching cartoons. Yeah, that's what iPads are for. Here you go, kid. Look <laughs> at this. Here you go. Daddy's going to watch golf. Yeah. We Well, you guys know what we want you to do. We want you to rate, review, share, give us feedback, tell us what we suck at, tell us what we're good at. We won't Well, I have a positive self-belief belief. that we don't suck a whole lot, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty confident that's that we fair. put out a decent product. The feedback we get kind of reiterates that. It's not for everybody, but the people it is for seem to get value from it, so I like good. that. So rate, review, share, and until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom.